Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Privilege it's been to be with you this week. And uh, we have been looking at how Jesus doesn't quit on us. He doesn't quit on us when we wander and feel misplaced. He, he doesn't quit on us when the world seems crazy and confusing and it's hard to locate him. He doesn't quit on us in our sorrows when we feel like we're in the dark and we don't understand. He doesn't quit on us in our doubts but calls us to himself. And we get to conclude today by thinking about how Jesus doesn't quit on us even in the midst of the worst moments of our life, the regrets of our life. It's a powerful thing to consider that uh, the roosters didn't leave Jerusalem after the resurrection of Jesus. They didn't all gather up and go I'm saying that Peter would have heard roosters crowing every day the rest of his life. He would have had a daily reminder of condemnation, a daily remembrance of the worst thing he ever did. I wonder if that's why in his letters he so often talks about remembering the gospel. I'll just remind you, he'll say in 2 Peter, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. He says elsewhere in the same letter, This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I wonder if hearing a rooster crow every day was part of God's providence in Peter's life that caused him to keep remembering that the rooster crow didn't have the last word in his life. And the gospel of his dear Savior and the love of his Savior had the last word in his life. And I'm wondering if that's the case. How was it that Peter came to know that? And I think we have the answer here in John chapter 21. There's a little phrase here that's very easy to overlook. It's in verse 1 of John 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. He revealed himself in this way. So what we're about to see in the rest of this chapter is the way Jesus reveals himself. In this way. And uh, It's repeated twice in the verse. You see it. He revealed himself. He revealed himself. Who is it that Jesus is revealing? Himself. How is it that Jesus reveals himself? In this way. So let's read about the way 
that Jesus reveals himself to the man who is in the depths of his worst moment and the aftermath of it. And the first thing I'd like you to see is that where, there's a where is this taking place? After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is another way of saying the Sea of Galilee. Peter is home. Peter's home where he grew up by the sea among the fish and the gulls and the sea smell of that vast lake. And is it possible that Jesus coming there because he told them that's where to go. That he's coming there to where they grew up, where they were before they ever met him. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? In what places did you grow up? Might there be a purpose that when you have failed... Jesus might restore you in this way. And one of those ways begins with reminding you of where you're from long before you met him. And that he was come there with the sand and the wind and the waves and the fish for Peter. And in this way, reveal himself, reveal himself. What if you need to remember where you're from and see more of him there than maybe you once did? Maybe even before you knew him, he knew you. But the coincidences now begin. I say this in quotes, the coincidences. What we begin to see here is this. It almost looks like the one through whom all things were created, is about to bend providence to reveal himself in this way. It is, they went out and got into the boat that night, in verse three. I'm going fishing. We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat that night, And they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And the resurrected Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And I'm thinking, Wait a minute. Haven't we read this before? Haven't we read this before? Hasn't this happened before? It has. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. The day, years before the rooster crowed, when Peter had caught nothing, and Jesus revealed himself with a multitude of fish, and Peter, in the midst of the goodness of the provision, had said, go away, I'm an unclean man. And Jesus spoke peace to him and said, Peter, from now on, you will be a fisher of men. And now here we are three years later, 
and the exact same situation is happening? This is no deja vu. Jesus reveals himself in this way. To recover you, he may just recreate a providence. It's in light of that that Peter says, wait a minute, (laughs) wait a minute, it's the Lord. Something happening in the present that reminds you of a provision of Christ in the past that enables you to see him afresh again. Now, the next thing that happens is when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work. And notice how John says it. He threw himself into the sea. It isn't that Peter just stepped out of the boat Stepped out of the boat and nonchalantly, he, he threw himself out of the boat. He's stumbling out of the boat and he's, he's high knees splashing as he's running to the, to the side there. And is it possible there's an intentional hint to the fact that everyone else stayed in the boat just a little while earlier and it was Peter who threw himself out of the boat into the care of the Lord to stand upon the water. Is that possibly being hinted at here? And if it is in this way that Jesus reveals himself, do you recall times you by faith stepped out of the boat toward Jesus? The good in Peter's life. Sure, he needed rescue, but he stepped And who was it that rescued him? The Lord. Do you remember in your life any times, good ones, in which it was you who had the faith (laughs) and you took a step and you felt you almost sank but he didn't let you. But then the next thing we see is when they got out of land in verse nine. They saw a charcoal fire. Jesus reveals himself in this way. Some of you might remember that this Greek word for charcoal fire is only used twice in the entire New Testament. It's used here and it's used in John 18, verse 18. When Peter, when Jesus was being beaten and questioned through the night. And Peter was warming himself by a charcoal fire. Is it possible that in this way, Jesus would intentionally create an invitation to see again your worst moment? I mean, in my heart, I would like to forget my worst moment. I would like to be found by Jesus and find him by going around the charcoal fire. But what if seeing him again means we must come to the charcoal fire? We must come face to face again 
with the memory of what we did. But this time, he is there. Earlier, someone else lit that fire that he warmed himself, blasphemed, cussed, and denied he ever knew Jesus. But this time, Jesus prepared it. Is Jesus like that? Would he actually prepare a memory, prepare a memory in the present of your worst moment in the past? Would he reveal himself to you in this way? Yes. But not to condemn you. To heal you. And notice now, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. There was fish laid out on it and bread. <laughs> I, <laughs> loaves and fish. <laughs> Would it be possible for you if you had seen Jesus take a few bits of bread and a few bits of fish and you had seen him multiply that bread, break it and give thanks, multiply that bread, multiply that fish. Do you think you could see him break bread and handle fish the rest after that and not remember? How is it that those on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection, how is it that they recognize it's Jesus who's been walking with him? It isn't until he what? Breaks bread. Why? Because I tell you, they've never seen anyone break bread like this one. Because when this one breaks bread, things happen. And where does Jesus bring? Notice he couches the charcoal fire. The memory of Peter's worst moment that in this moment, Peter still has to deal with. But Peter places at the charcoal fire memory, hint, reminder of his powerful provision. When you think back to your life, do you, you remember the times you've got out of the boat by faith and Jesus has rescued you do you remember any marvelous times where it was as if he broke bread and fish and your little bit of loaves and your little bit of bread he multiplied and you could hardly believe it. He did something so kind and so good for you in the midst of your greatest need. And do you remember any charcoal fires? What is that for you? My memory starts to list them. Places of regret. Does Jesus reveal himself in this way? Yes. And now there's something really small, really small, that we're able to overlook. It's when they had finished breakfast, verse 15, Jesus 
said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? No, there's just something that happened right there. We, we, we move quickly to do you love me more than these, but there's something right there. And, uh, um, you know, I can say it this way. When I was a little boy, if my mom ever called me Zachary Wayne, that had my attention. That's my middle name. And Zachary's my full name. Zachary Wayne, if I heard that I had, that was attention, you know, rather than Zach. Uh, my wife, uh, Jessica, uh, we have affectionate names for each other. If she ever calls me by my first name, Zach, it has my attention because I'm accustomed to hearing this other kind of talk with each other. Do you, do you start to guess what just happened here? When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Peter, mm-mm, mm-mm, you see it? Jesus said, Simon, son of John. How long has it been since Peter heard Jesus call him Simon? Two years? He's calling Peter by the name Peter grew up with when he was a child and helpless in the world. He's calling Peter by the name that Peter grew up with long before he ever knew Jesus. I am Zach, son of Vern, son of Jan. Who are you? Where are you from? The Lord reveals himself in this way. For Peter, it's his pre-ministry name. It was the name he had before he had ever seen loaves and fishes multiply. It was the name he had before he had ever gone out with the 72 on mission. It was the name he had before he had ever seen Elijah and Moses on the mount and wanted to pitch a tent and never leave that place. Simon, son of John. I think that would have had his attention. Jesus reveals himself in this way. And now the three questions come. You know, one for each betrayal. Some Christians will, will say there's, there's nothing um, significant here about the use of the Greek language. And uh, I'll be in the new kingdom with those dear brothers and sisters. I'm just going to differ and suggest that when Jesus says, do you agape me? Unconditional love. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Brotherly love. 
Do you agape me? Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Third question. Jesus now says, do you phileo me? I think this is why Peter's hurt. If it was simply questions of love, why would it hurt the third time? You phileo me. Yes, Lord. You know. You know my love isn't unconditional. You know the truth about my love. That it is real. But not yet full. And notice what he's asked. Peter, do you believe me? Peter, do you believe me? Peter, do you believe me? Make no mistake, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, who can be saved? But even the demons believe James tells us. And we are meant to go beyond the demons in our relationship with God. Consider there are three greatest things in the universe according to Christians. The Trinity is what's coming to your mind. Assuming the Trinity, there are three great things. Nothing is greater than these three. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is faith. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, dear Reformation brother and sister. Wait a minute. It cannot be less than faith. But Paul will tell us faith must work through love. If faith, hope, and love are uh, little children lining up for school, faith always wants to put itself in the first place. But faith is not the line leader. Love is. Peter believes And so now the question comes, do you love? Do you love me? What kindness. It's, It's easy to forget these are two grown men. In the fullness of his humanity, the resurrected body of Christ, appearing in, being there in human form. Do you love me? Do you love me, bro? That's what we'd say back there. Do you love me, man? Dude, do you love me? That's like how we would talk back, right? We don't quite know as men how to just say we, we love you. We always have to sort of add something like that, you know, like, you know, or something. But as human beings, men and women, to look someone in the eye and say, I love you, but to have someone ask you the question, 
Do you love me? Do you believe me? Do you have hope about me? Do you love? And now we're at the heart of the sum of the law of God. Out of love for God, love for our neighbor as ourself, even our enemy. Do you love me? (laughs) Isn't this amazing? When you and I stand before God, the question will be, do you love me? Faith, hope, love. These three, there's nothing greater. Will you do something for me? Will you work hard to make it up to me, Peter? Will you beat yourself up long and hard because of all you've done, Peter, and then when you've hurt enough? That's just nothing like that. Do you love me? Yes. Yes, I do. And this is why Christians who are fearful and afraid in the midst of fearful and frightening things somehow by the grace of God still stand even with tears. Why is it? Because they love him. He's lovely. They're smitten by him. He ravishes their heart. And this is God's desire that his love for us would be met in love for him. And now we begin to see Jesus reveals himself in this way. Recreating a providence. Reminding you of where you are from and what your name was. Reminding you of your best moments and then setting a charcoal fire right in front of you in the present. A present need from a past regret. Loaves and fishes and then the question of love. And it hurts. Would he reveal himself in that way such that you would be pained? Tenderly. Tenderly. Yes. Yes, tenderly, he will. Not the pain of condemnation. The humbling that comes from realizing we do love him and yet how imperfect our love has been. And he says, then go. Feed my sheep. It wasn't then go, get out. It was then, then. Those I love, go feed them. Isn't this something? Sometimes we want to skip having to go back home. We want to skip having to Experience loaves and fishes and come back to the charcoal fire and hearing the questions of love, love, love. We want to skip all of that and go right back to feeding. Especially leaders in ministry. 
But it cannot be so. In order to feed others, you must love him. And your love for him must come to terms with how he reveals himself in this way. And we know, because here comes the bookend now, we know that this is what's going on. When I was growing up, there was a show, a television show. It was called This Is Your Life. And uh, we'd bring you out on stage and, uh, or interview. And unbeknownst to you, I will have interviewed people from your past. And then they will come out and share things about you. This is your life. This is sort of what's happening here. This is your life. And now we know this to be so because what does Jesus say? Truly, truly, verse 18, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Seasons of your life, Peter, who you were, Simon, son of John, and who you are now, Peter the betrayer, who has been forgiven, who will now go feed my people out of love. By this, John tells us, verse 19, Peter was to glorify God, the kind of death. Jesus is speaking of Peter's death. Peter wanted to glorify God. But the way God will allow him to glorify God is not a way Peter would have chosen. You will go where you do not want to go. And by doing so, you will fulfill your heart's desire. You will glorify me. And I will be with you. Is there something now that you're older? Perhaps you did many things when you were younger. But now that you are older, you need more help than you once did. Sometimes maybe someone else must dress you. And you wonder, is there still a role for you? And yet here is the Lord speaking of Peter's ministry in the context of a metaphor of old age. Yes, Jesus reveals himself in this way. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> this is so palpable, so, so amazing that uh, Jesus now brings him back to first things. Verse 19, after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And now we were back three years earlier. It has all come to a, a round circle. What is it that Jesus said to Peter with the loaves and the fish the first time, uh, the fish on the, on the boat, 
that he hadn't caught. And then he caught it and go away from me. I'm an unclean person. I will make you fishers of men, Jesus said. What had Jesus said to him? Follow me. Jesus reveals himself into this way. Nearly three years later, Peter must be brought back to first things. Do you love? Then follow. And sometimes we need that. All kinds of experiences, all kinds of fruitful mountaintop experiences for Peter, all kinds of charcoal fire experiences for Peter. In the midst of all of it, he's forgotten something. Do you love me? Then follow me. Jesus reveals himself in this way. And sometimes you and I must be brought back to our first love because we've lost it. And Jesus will reveal himself in this way. Isn't this amazing? He will bend providence to bring the question of his love right in front of you so that you can remember the one you first loved and you can remember that the question of questions in this day and tomorrow is will you follow him out of love for him? Everything else is secondary. It begins here. And what a powerful moment Peter brought back to first things. And so the next thing that happens is that Peter courageously, boldly goes into ministry with a heart of love, brought back to first things, a fresh, reviving, refueling sense of the love of God. No, <laughs> that is not the next thing that happens. After all of this revealing of himself in this way, the very next thing that happens to Peter, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Feed my sheep when you are young, now that you are old, follow me. And the next thing that happens is Peter's distracted. I'm thankful for that. So human. So like a child. There's a rumor around that John might die. It was just a rumor. Christians spreading rumors? It wasn't true. Christians spreading things that aren't true. What about this man? <laughs> Verse 21. And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? And now notice the repetition, and some translations put it with the exclamation point. Lord, what about this man? If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Peter has to have it repeated twice, even after all of this. Ah, Peter's not the Lord, is he? He needs the Lord. Even being healed from our failure doesn't save us from being able to fail again. We need fresh saving day upon day upon day. And in this case, moments later in the day, <laughs> we felt that in the morning, the fresh revealing of Jesus 
And then in the afternoon, we're distracted again. And we hear him in this way say, follow me. Would Jesus bend the providence of a day just for you? Yes. It certainly looks that way, doesn't it? so that one of his loved ones could, in the midst of their regret, be healed. And one of his loved ones, in the midst of their regret, could hear the questions of love again. And one of his loved ones, in the midst of their regret, could be brought back to what matters after all. Follow him. And that as we're distracted again, Healed but distracted. Forgiven from our worst moments but distracted by rumor. He would be the lifter of our head again and say, look at me. Follow me. I will handle the rest. Is there something distracting you? Someone, you keep saying, yes, Lord, but what about that person? Yes, Lord, but what about that nation? Yes, Lord, but what about this or that thing? Yes, Lord, but what about that bit of news? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, but, but, but. If it is my will, Jesus says, I will handle that, Jesus says. You follow me, okay? Locate where I am and don't ever let me go. I will never let you go. If need be, I will recreate charcoal fires. If need be, I will take you back to where you're from. If need be, I will call you Zachary Wayne, Simon, son of John. If need be, I will have loaves and fishes in front of you. Whatever love needs to do, Dear one, I will do it for you. So follow me. Let's pray together. Lord, here we are thanking you for your word, how you do not quit on any of your people. Thank you. In Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.